0: Thanks for joining us on the this week's episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. As you'll notice, unfortunately, I'm without my co-host, Mike Dice. He uh, had to tend to some other affairs today. Mike, we miss you. Hope you're watching. We do have a uh, a really good interview that will go up on the uh, the audio upload on iTunes and Google Play, um, that version, um, later today. A great interview that Mike did with Jair Rodriguez, who is headlining opposite BJ Penn this weekend. Big main event in phoenix arizona ufc fight night i think it's ufc fight night 103 here is based nowadays out of chicago where we're based out of as well he's originally from mexico he's also done some training at uh, greg jackson's and mike winklejohn's camp in in new New mexico and interestingly enough his opponent has been training partially out of uh, that camp as well so uh, mike had a really awesome conversation pre-recorded earlier this week to work around uh uh, Yair's yeah, uh, schedule during fight week It's a very busy time for fighters They're cutting weight, they're doing a lot of media Trying to focus on the uh, biggest night of their life uh, But Mike had a really, really good conversation That'll be up And the audio version up on iTunes Um uh and Google Play and all the other places we were up later this afternoon. So even if you're watching now, which we thank you for, we want you to check in later to hear uh, later this week to hear from Larry Rodriguez uh, and his conversation with with my co-host Mike Dice. We have got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. And uh most notably we have a live guest uh, in about we'll go right to him in about 10 minutes. We got Dean Thomas. Dean Thomas uh for you newer fans of MMA Um, There were a number of years, probably five to seven years, in which Dean Thomas is one of, if not the best lightweight fighters in the world. Unfortunately for him, that was at a time when the UFC uh, didn't really emphasize the lightweight division, and partially there was a period of time as well where they just outright did away with the 155-pound division. Um, This was a time when the whole sport of MMA wasn't getting the attention that it does now. The UFC uh, wasn't even the biggest organization in the mma world um so he and other great fighters like eve edwards who's been on the show or josh thompson or uh uh, now in battled uh, Hermes Franca, a bunch of guys, uh, BJ Penn, Jens Pulver, these these folks had to struggle. Uh, Carl Uno had to struggle and, and, and really entertain in, in relative obscurity. But Dean Thomas is one of the all-time greats in the lighter weight divisions. He has moved on to really successful second and third careers as well. Uh, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, a great all-around fighter, and he's used that knowledge to become one of the best coaches in MMA. Um, he's been on the show before. as as one of his great friends and American Top Team teammate, Mike Brown, who's also a coach there. Those guys are some of the busiest coaches in all of MMA. American Top Team has more fighters signed to the UFC, I believe this is still true, than any other camp. They're out of South Florida there, American Top Team. And uh, guys like Dean Thomas are cornering more fighters than just about anyone uh you go to any number any ufc event there's a good chance you'll see dean thomas or mike brown cornering not just one but maybe two or three different fighters on that card Uh, dean is super technical really uh really knowledgeable uh, a lot of fun as well and uh you know that's his let's say maybe a second career uh he also has a third career in in broadcasting and analysis and entertainment he is one of the uh the hosts the fun guy hosts on dana white's uh Looking for a Fight YouTube reality series that the UFC does. They're in their second season. I just watched their first episode of the second season earlier today. I think it came out maybe about a week ago. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, you want to see it. It's where guys like Sage Northcutt or Mickey Gall came from. Dana White goes out scouting at smaller regional events, and he takes along, uh, now, Matt Sarah and Dean Thomas, uh, former fighters, great coaches, top coaches, and, and friends of Dana White. They scout uh, different fighters, regional fighters, and try to get someone uh, that's good enough to to, to to move up to the UFC, move up to the big leagues, and they also do other crazy stuff. In this episode, they're they're shooting guns and driving go-karts and all sorts of other nonsense in Dana White's Bangor Maine uh, estate. They're eating food, doing all sorts of uh, crazy stuff. Dean Thomas is doing that, and he's, he's a really good fit. He wasn't on the first part of the first series. There was uh, Nick the Tooth was uh, was joined Dana White and uh, Matt Sarah, and actually fell out in something that was pretty celebrated at the time. Dean Thomas came and replaced him, and it's still going well. Really good fit. So we're going to be excited to talk with uh, with Dean Thomas and just. Just a couple minutes. Uh, we have several other topics we want to talk about as well today. A lot has been going on. Uh, we didn't talk about it last week. I really would like to talk about it uh, at some point, though. Um, and we'll make that time now. Uh, Mike Goldberg called his probably his last UFC event at UFC 207, a gigantic event. He started with the UFC as a play by play commentator, as the main. Play-by-play commentator, broadcast commentator. Back in 1997, before that, he did broadcasts for like Chicago Bulls hockey, professional hockey, all sorts of of other big stuff. Um, but yeah, he was there for 19 years and uh, was one of, if not the, real voice of of the UFC broadcast, at least the big time broadcast. Obviously, the UFC grew to the point where they had not just pay-per-view events, but te- you know, network television, cable, all sorts of Fight Pass. So there are other play-by-play. Guys that are, that are really solid that the UFC has um, But uh, under new Under new ownership The UFC was sold this past summer to WMEIMG Hollywood Talent Agency Giant And uh, there's been a lot of changes A lot of people leaving, a lot of people getting replaced From fighters up to people behind the scenes and In front of the camera Mike Goldberg, under circumstances that he hasn't really spoken of No one's really spoken details of He's gone now from the UFC uh, If you haven't done it Check out Tommy Toehold, Tommy Toehold on YouTube.com, generally speaking. Specifically, he has a great tribute. Uh, he's Tommy Toehold does this cartoon character that satirizes MMA and issues just in a sublime way, and he has one of Mike Goldberg, using uh, Mike Goldberg's catchphrase, when fights are finished abruptly and excitingly, it's all over, and it, it's pretty hilarious. It pokes some fun at Mike Goldberg, which Mike Goldberg is always good at doing himself, but it also shows a real appreciation for, for what he's done. Um, among so-called self-proclaimed uh, hardcore fans, Mike Goldberg would always get a lot of flack. Um, you know, He's sitting there with Joe Rogan at these events for literally, I don't know how much you watch at home. Maybe you just watch the main card. Maybe you just watch the main event. I don't know. But if you're covering the events or if you're calling the events, you're there for seven hours of talking or if you're a journalist, right, seven hours of writing. So Mike Goldberg, with producers in his ear, chattering away, having to do ads, having to mentioned this factoid, that I promote this brand, that brand, and call the fights in front of him. Um, he was doing that for seven hours straight. So yeah, sometimes he said some some funny, silly things. Um, but I'm going to miss Mike Goldberg, and here's why. Mike Goldberg is the best play-by-play broadcast commentator that the sport of MMA has has yet to have. It's easy to criticize, and it's harder to find a better alternative, right? Back in the day, there was Pride. There was Pride and there was UFC. Pride was based out of Japan. They were huge. They had 60,000-seat arenas. They were televised on on terrestrial television in in Japan. They had pay-per-view distribution in the United States. They were huge. They had a, a number of, of really good uh, color commentators, guys like Boss Rutten, former heavyweight champion of the world, Randy Couture would come in and guest, and a lot of people came in and did some good color commentary. Um, their play-by-play people switched often as well. And when Mike Goldberg has been criticized on f- Internet forums and things like that, a lot of times people mention some of the guys that worked, they were all men, that, that worked uh, and did did play-by-play. It's in comparison to people like that, some of whom are still working in big time um, boxing, professional wrestling. It's in comparison to those people that Mike Goldberg's real value comes really comes to light. Mike Goldberg, for all his faults like anyone has, for saying this thing, silly thing, or that silly thing, or mispronouncing a name like I have so much trouble doing myself... He always showed enthusiasm for the fight. It ex- sounded like he was excited to be there. Uh, he also always respected the fighters. Now, that should be a given, right? And deferring to the expertise of, of your broadcast partner. In his case, oftentimes Joe Rogan or guest people would come in. Um, de- re- deferring to the, the expertise of your color guy, Who's there? Usually, as some type of martial artist, or former fighter, or current fighter, expert. He always did that. He always respected the fighters. That should be a given, but it isn't. Some of these other guys that have been have big names like Mike Goldberg and, and MMA play-by-play commentary. They've. I'll mention two specific things. One, I remember him calling fighters a "cockroaches" during during a, a match. I remember another one, on national television, uh, saying how he wanted to have while Gina Carano was fighting, um, former featherweight champion. Uh, talking about how he wanted to have sex with her. These guys were just really largely unprofessional. They largely were disrespectful of what they were watching, to say nothing of not really informed or aware of what they were watching. Mike Goldberg was not an MMA fighter, an MMA expert. He watched a lot of fights. He was excited about all of them. Uh, he, he really deferred to the, the expertise of the real experts, and he always respected the fighters. And you know what? He really did seem to love the sport. It wouldn't be uncommon. weeks of, you go to, uh, to cover a UFC event in the fighter Hotel, there's some practice rooms set up. Wouldn't it be uncommon for me to see Mike Goldberg there with, with some coaches hitting mitts, picking their brain, getting a workout in, saying, hey, can you guys hold, hold pads for me, hold mitts for me? And he'd work out with them. He'd ask them technical questions. You know, the guy put in the time. The guy put in the time, uh, and, um, and he had a lot of respect, and he has a lot of respect for the sport and for the people involved, and, and for that reason, I think he was phenomenal. I think he was, a, he was a huge asset to the sport. I'm sorry to see him go. Uh, I think it's a mistake for him to go. Hopefully he's, he'll have plenty of options moving forward. But, you know, I'm going to miss Mike Goldberg. And uh, some of you all might as well eventually, even if you don't realize it now. <laughs> but uh, we're going to move shortly on. We're going to see if Dean Thomas is available. That was my not-so-brief shtick on, on appreciating someone who I think is not appreciated nearly enough in Mike Goldberg. We wish Mike all the best. I'm going to try to get Dean Thomas on the line here in a moment, see if he's, if he's around. All right. Giving him a ring now. Hello? Dean, this is Elias, X-Rons Podcast. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. What's happening? What's poppin'? <laughs> you are. You are, man. Thanks so much for uh, for being on the show, man. I'm here uh, without my co-host, Mike Dice. So it's just going to be you and me uh, uh, chopping it up a little bit, man. But happy New cool, Year. No doubt. Happy, happy New-, New Year to you,
1: too. Thanks,
0: man. So there's a lot I want to chat with you about. I know you got a lot uh, going on. Uh, I just watched episode one of season two of... Uh, of the cert looking for a fighter. Love the show. Yes. I love yes, the show. Thank you. Thank you, I, you very much. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a, a bit about that. Um, and I also want to go back to uh, to some of the fighters, some of the people you coach and spend time with, specifically uh, Amanda Nunes. And I want to talk a little bit about her fight with, with Ronda Rousey as well. I, I heard you on. Um, on uh, unfiltered podcast, Matt Sarah and uh, Matt Sarah's uh, really good podcast, and you had some interesting stuff. I want to de- dig a little deeper into that. But first, Ooh. I got to say this. So I didn't talk with you before the before UFC two hundred seven, Dean. But I did talk with uh, with with Mike Brown. I talked with Conan Silvera, coaches at American Top Team. I talked with uh, some of Amanda's teammates like uh, uh, like uh, Alex Chambers. And I I've said this. I've written this a little bit. Dean, I, in 12 years of covering the sport, um, you know, we, we talk to a lot of people, and everyone is always saying, yeah, you know, our guy's going to win, our gal's going to win, right? Everyone always says that, they're confident, sure, of course, but everyone, every coach always, indirectly or directly, always, you know, admits, hey, we don't know, we don't really know what's going to happen for sure, right? Like, anything could happen in a fight. Right, for um, sure. yeah. Now, when I spoke to America, I didn't say this beforehand, but when I spoke to, to, to ATT coaches and teammates um, of Amanda Nunes, they absolutely struck me as the most confident coaches and teammates that I've ever talked to leading into a fight, the months and weeks leading into a fight ever in, in, in my 12 years covering the sport. I mean, Amanda, of course, was saying, hey, I'll, I'll beat Ronda and I'll give her a rematch. Coaches are saying the same thing. I just, you know, they, they were polite, but man, it bordered on like just complete, complete assurance that they were going to win. What did you guys know about Amanda that made you all so confident? I I'm imagine you were very confident as well heading into the fight.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we knew Amanda was just a different type of athlete. And, you know, Rhonda had put herself in at in such a pedestal that we had no choice but to pay attention to her. And I did an extensive research of Rhonda. And I just thought it was just a, a total bad matchup. It was a mismatch from the jump, just based on skill sets alone. And you know, and I hate to say that, but you know, and I hate to feel like I'm taking something away from Ronda because she did a lot for women's MMA. But I mean, you know, it was just really a mismatch, and I don't think that she'd ever be able to beat Amanda. And I always thought that uh, Amanda possessed all the tools that was needed to beat somebody like Ronda Rousey. Mm.
0: Tell me some of the specific things you saw. I, I thought it was a bad matchup for Rhonda, but I wasn't so sure, Coach, that, hey, you know, Amanda definitely is going to be able to defend the takedown all fight long, or she'll definitely be able to defend the armbar if she heads up on the ground. Like, what were some specific things that, that made you really confident? Were you, were you confident that Amanda was not going to get caught up in a clinch? Were you confident that she'd be able to defend the armbar on the ground if she got there? What, what, what did you see specifically?
1: Well, the biggest thing was that Amanda possesses tremendous footwork. She comes from a, a, a background where she played soccer, so her feet are really good. And so she's a, she moves very well. So if Rhonda needed to get close, she had to be able to come in the, into that range. Now, Rhonda hasn't been known to be a shooter. She's a clincher. Right. And in order to clinch, you have to come in and punch in range. And I didn't think she'd be able to come in and punch a range fast enough to clinch with Amanda. And if she did, we were we, we prepared to block the uh the takedown anyway. So I mean there was a, a lot that she would have had to get Amanda on the ground to even worry about the armbar. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I wanna talk about that. You talked you talked about Randall not being a shooter. Um what I wrote a, a quick article for uh, for for champ uh, for uh, what was it for yeah for champions saying you know hey these are these are four th- four reasons that that uh, that Ronda uh, lost after the fact right and and there were things that we talked about before. beforehand one yeah. of the things I thought I said okay if she in this year off one of the things she needs to do is have different and better takedown entries, right? She and one of the things I talked about is she need I, I really I hope for her sake that she was going to come in at different levels. She always comes in high for the for the clinch. She never shows different levels. And I felt that was one of the reasons that Misha Tate who got taken down a lot by Ronda over two fights and, and, and was able to take down Holly Holm who Ronda was not able to take down and, and who actually got uh, woman handled a little bit there. I said well Misha is not a more I'm going to takedown artist than Ronda Rousey, coach, but she is a more varied and diverse takedown artists right she can she can go from the ankle she can go for a, you know for a double or a single she can come in high uh, for a clinch what's the importance what's the importance now that everyone has seen ronda fight for a long time of her coming in at just one level and her one type of entry jabbing away high what what did that like what did that allow you guys to do from a, a strategic point of view
1: well, I mean, it's, it's very predictable. I mean, as you just said, I mean, if you know what's coming, if like playing poker against somebody and you know what hand they have. Mm. It's like, you know, you know when to fold and you know what to do when somebody does that. So we prepared a couple of different strategies when that happens. So, I mean, and that was kind of all we, it, it was really kind of easy, actually. Mm. And then, I mean, you obviously prepare for other things just in case. But when you go, when you look at her fights and you go, wow, this is really the only thing that she does how has nobody not figured this out how like if if you notice she does this why are they still running into her Mm -hmm. allowing her to do this and some some cases maybe you know what maybe the girl that she's fighting just doesn't have footwork to stay away from her or she doesn't have the punching power to even threaten her a little bit or she doesn't have the reach which amanda does have punching power and reach so she had all those aspects to 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 be able to defend that that type of takedown, mm. so it, it was very easy in that sense to just go, man. This is this is really a bad match. I mean, just a mismatch, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know it didn't look like it on paper, but it, I mean, when you when you do the study of it, it's like this is really a mismatch.
0: It's mm. interesting. Are you all still open to the rematch if if somehow the UFC forces Ronda and drags her in to uh, to another fight?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I mean, a, a, again, not to take anything away from Ronda, but it's easy money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like it's easy money. It's like that's like it's a given because what will happen is it. OK, maybe she'll learn to shoot, but she won't be good enough to do it. To take Amanda down. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like now she'll be now. she'll be. It's like, OK, uh, our quarterback is hurt. Let's put the center in mm-hmm. to play quarterback. Won't be good enough. So yeah, if you want a rematch, we can run it back. But that's easy money.
0: That's an easy payday. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk you said something. Now I can't remember the term. You were, t- you were on uh, on UFC Unfiltered, um, uh, Norton and 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 Matt Sarah's podcast, and you said something about. I think you said you used the term "progressive," progressive thinking, and not being a progressive thinker in relation to Edmund Tarvidian, Ronda Rousey's coach. You didn't you didn't bash him. You didn't say hey. You didn't s- pretend to know everything he does or anything like that. But you said. I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, that he's not a progressive enough thinker for MMA for her to to, to to win. Tell me a little bit what you meant by that.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at, well, basically, if you look at all her fights, she hasn't gotten better. You know, I mean, she's beating, she's beating girls and fast. But if you look at her progression as a fighter, she never got better. And then when you look at the fight against Holly, she was the same fighter that she was. It's just Greg Jackson did a really good job of preparing Holly for that fight. And then she came out again and fought Amanda the same way she did. She fought all her 12 other fights, actually 13 other fights. She never got any better. And to me, you blame the coach for that because the coach has to be able to, they have to be able to get through to the athlete and go, hey, Listen. Uh, we need to improve on things. We need to find better ways. But even if Rondo wasn't a shooter, that's okay. That's fine. But then as a coach, you have to find better ways for your athlete to be able to employ their offense. Mm. That's your job. That is what you do. The athlete's job is to listen to you. If you if you don't have that type of relationship, maybe you'll need to get out of that. You, maybe you need to get out of that relationship. But as a, as a coach, it's your job to be able to get through to your fighter and go, uh, listen, we know that this is your strength we need to find some better ways to get in to do it. Mm. And if you look at all her work, it looks like, you know, she does a lot of boxing and she, she's able to sell it sometimes that she can box a little bit because her hands are fast. They hold the pads nice and close to her and they make her feel good about herself. And there's, there's something to that, you know, being positive about your training There's something to that, but it's almost, it lied to her. It made her think that she could strike. So, but it, but it wasn't enough to overcome that gap. Mm. So it, for me, it's just, um, you know it's very amateurish to think that way and luckily he had you know a world-class athlete Rhonda, who was able to overcome her her deficiencies with just her athleticism and that strong skill set that she does possess
0: i got to put you on the spot a little bit here coach because that's a really good analysis i was gonna ask like you know, speaking about that specifically, but not really specifically, just in your experiences, why? Because I'm sure you've seen this a million times or something like it. Why does, why does, why might a fighter stay with a coach or with someone that's not actually improving them? And so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ask you this. Did I, because I've gotten, I don't have any relationship professional otherwise with Edvin Tarvini, I've never been in the room room with him. I've just watched interviews. I've just seen the 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 work that they show on television. But even from interviews. Um, I always got a really weird vibe, Dean. Like, it just seems creepy, man. Like, uh, like uh, and then to hear the things that Ronda Rousey's mom said about him, um, everything from just looking at his criminal past of, you know, right before he strained with Ronda, he got convicted of, like, some type of fraud, like, identity theft. Like, I, I read stuff on the internet. Like, some writers are saying, oh, well, no one was criticizing or saying anything about Edmund or Dana White said no one was saying anything about Edmund when she was winning, that's not true. Maybe not publicly, but, but in conversations people yeah, yeah, said, yeah. people have been kinda of weirded out or, or thought it wasn't adequate for a while. In addition to the like the non progressive thinking, and to explain why someone might stay with someone who's not helping to improve, does that from what you can tell, does that seem like a a weird kind of setup there, or is that something you don't even want to talk about?
1: no no and I, and I will gladly answer this mm. um no it's not because um well first off like when you win 12 fights in a row in the way that she did you sometimes you just ignore the fact that you're not getting better like and then you just like, hey listen we got the w good enough let's keep going i'm the best in the world so you sometimes don't realize it or you just ignore it now when she lost now that's was the true testament of all right you know what we probably should have been working some different things in order to get better but but the reality is this i've read something i've been in a room with him and he seemed like a nice enough guy to me so none, none of this is personal sure. what i'm saying now um now one thing that i noticed about a lot of fighters is they they base their training on how they feel and i was just telling charles rosa yesterday that is the one of the worst things you can do if you feel good about your training that that doesn't necessarily mean that what you're doing is right and I also learned that a lot of fighters, because they're fighters, they always have to feel like they're going through some type of struggle because the fight is, you know, it's a challenge for them. And they feel like, you know, they have to, they're a warrior. They have to be going through this type of struggle. So when you get in an environment that is kind of, uh, hostile, whether the coaches is being mean to you or yelling at you, sometimes that makes you just feel more like a fighter because that's the way it's supposed to feel. But that doesn't mean it's right for you. And she may be one of them type of people to go, "Oh, I have to be in this environment because this is what this is what fighters are supposed to go through." But that doesn't make it right though. But that's how a lot of fighters feel. And they feel like they have to, you know, train the hardest and go through this hard struggle in order to get better. But I totally disagree with that. Some people it might work for, some people it might not work for. But the only thing that really counts are results. At the end of the day, the only thing that counts are results. If you're getting results doing that, stick with it. If you're not getting results doing that, you need to change it up.
0: Coach, you you know, obviously you've been with American top team for a long time. You're one of the one of the main coaches there. But you, you had a, you had a really long career of training of fighting even like before American Top team was a thing when so I'm assuming you liked it there right like I'm you ended up there you stayed there. What types yeah. of what, what types of evolution did you go through? Did, did you go through periods of time where like you were in places doing training that you had to realize weren't either adequate or, or weren't doing the trick for you like what was that process like of, of finding oh, throughout your career the right absolutely. places to be?
1: fight is different so like if for me and this is something i learned early on in my career that every fight was different you had to prepare for fights differently because not only are you fighting a different person but you are also growing and becoming a different person your body changes and you, your personality changes so you have to constantly evaluate yourself accurately and that's something a lot of fighters don't do as well they don't they don't evaluate themselves accurately they just always feel that they're really good and they just need to you know lift some weights and hit some and go out and fight but throughout my entire career i've always tried to to keep up with the game and to stay fresh with it and i think that my biggest flaw in the fight game was that i stopped doing that and i tried and i stopped doing that and then i suffered some losses from that and not being creative and fresh and i just you know tried to and i was and i had the mentality of everybody else Some at some point in my career i adopted the mentality of everybody else and Hard and I got to train like this guy because this is what these guys are doing. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to have somebody that's honest with you and you kind of always evaluate yourself and go, What do I need to be better and what do I need in order to win this fight?
0: When when did you decide, Dean, that you were going to become a coach? Like, what, 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 how did that process go?
1: Well, my until, even, even while I was fighting, I've always had schools, I've had Couple of schools simultaneously, and I've always coached amateurs my entire existence as a fighter. I've always worked with fighters, so even when I was fighting, I would fight on the cards that, that I coached guys, and I'd coach, I'd corner them, and then fight. So I've always been, I've always dealt with fighters, and i and then when I had my gym, I did that. But i become a professional coach at this extent, He'd invite them down and help them. With the reality show when uh when it was ATT versus the Black Zillions,
0: and uh, then, uh, I you, think that, you, yeah, you cut out there for a second. We said when when they did the tough Black Zillions versus ATT is when you really became yeah. like a full time well, professional coach,
1: right? Because gotcha. prior to that, I had just worked with like uh, you know regional guys or mm. or amateurs. But then when when it was the tough versus the Black Z uh, ATT versus the Black Zillions, yeah. uh, tough se- episode series. Then I became a professional coach. That's, that's
0: interesting. Time. You mentioned uh, before before we move on. You mentioned Rosa. I know uh, he was on. He was on the show right before he went to Thailand. How, how's he doing? And what uh, did he bring back a couple a couple angles from Thailand with him?
1: <laughs> he brought back something from Thailand. <laughs> now nah, nah, he um now nah, Rosa's, Rosa's a really good kid, and I've watched him grow up as since an amateur i've been uh, i've been around him his entire career and he's a really good kid and he he treats the way he looks at mma and his fight career is it's never changed he's a very he's very progressive and he's always trying to find better ways to do things and he's always looking for Answers to problems that he's having, and I think that's the reason why he's so successful. Because when it comes, and, and this is not a knock against him, but when it comes to like athletic ability, he's not the best athlete. He hasn't been doing this his, his entire life. It's his passion and his hunger for the sport that has kept him in so long. And I'm I'm happy that uh, that he's still with it, and he's going to be fighting. Uh, I don't know within the next couple of months. He told me he's going to be fighting soon. So great. Um, and he asked help, he asked me to help him out, and I'm I'm all for it.
0: That's awesome! I'm glad he's finally getting another fight. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, you look at since him and Yair Rodriguez fought a super close fight, Jair's, it seems like Yair's had like 15 fights, and Rosa's had like one more. So I'm glad he's getting another one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, but that's just you know, yeah, it, that's just the way it goes sometimes in this yeah. game. Is you know, Yair had a, a crazy run, and you know, he deserves everything he's gotten. You know, Rosa had a, a few a few setbacks so he's got to be he's got to deal with that and see if he can bounce back
0: sure so i want to move over now coach to looking for a fighter right i just watched the first episode for the people that haven't checked it out the second season yet talk a little bit about the the crazy stuff you guys are getting into man i i I watched within the first five minutes you guys are you and sarah are racing some (laughs) go-kart shooting a gun like i mean what's going on this season man Uh oh
1: but I man, you know what it is? I just I'm just trying to keep up with these guys. You know, Dana White is an absolute animal, man. Like you, like I think he's got one of the biggest misunderstood personalities. You know, in the game. I mean, he's an absolute animal. He's a a really generous guy as well, and he he likes to have fun. And he and he, and he got us on the show just to have fun. So it's like, <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to do this. Let's see how much fun you can have. So you know, he let us in. He, so we go to his house in Maine. He's got a house in Maine. And, and he's like, all right, guys, anything you want to do, go ahead, and do it. So we're like, we're riding go-karts and he's got all these little toy cars. He's got a garage full of toy cars and go-karts and motorcycles and cars. And he's just like, the keys are in all of them. Take whatever you want. And it's just like, oh my goodness. So yeah, we just had a really good time, man.
0: That's cool. That's cool. I want to get back to the show in a second, but you you mentioned Dana being, you know, having a misunderstood uh, a personality. I know Matt Sarah says you know they they've been friends for a long time. I don't know how long you've been you consider like close to Dana and stuff. I got like I, I believe you a hundred percent that I, that his friends enjoy him. You hear stories about his generosity at the ca- casinos and stuff to people that work. There. I, I believe a hundred percent of that. I got I got to ask you, man. Like I don't know your I don't know your politics or if you're political at all. How but. I mean, I'm just going to say this as a person of color. Like, do you do you even broach the subject of Dana White supporting Donald Trump when you're with them, or do you just like avoid that type of stuff and just have fun, have fun talking? No, how do you get no, over? I that? You get that, over okay, I was going to say, how do you get over a friend doing supporting Trump? You just avoid it. Yeah, I avoid that. I mean,
1: I, you know what? Like, you know, I, I'm not. I don't get the I don't get involved in people's politics or their religious beliefs or anything like that. You know, and, and I think one thing about my personality is that I always try to find the be- better qualities of people and I, I'm able to ignore the, you know, the negative qualities that I may find or whatever. I just I just like to find the good in people and I'm never going to get in an argument about his politics or his religious beliefs or whatever like that or how he feels about something. You know, me and Dana have a relationship. Where it's like, hey, listen, we just going to have fun and, you know, we going to we're going to party and we're going to drink and we're going to film it and we're going to talk trash to each other. And that's what we do on the show.
0: That's a pretty good that's a pretty good deal though. That's a pretty good life. Uh, did do you guys find any uh any 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 people that you're impressed with, prospects on, on, in this season? That you don't have to name yeah. you don't have to name them of course, but did you, you see yeah, some good yeah. talent?
1: Yeah, there's good talent everywhere. You gotta understand that like when you go in these these uh some obscure places, there's these pockets hmm. of, of of fighters that are just that are remarkable. They just don't have the resources and then the and the exposure to get out, and I think this show is great for them that they can you know they just have to be able to show and prove when it when it comes time, and that's the one thing that you know some guys might not be able to be able to do but um yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talented guys out there, and with this show, they have a chance to prove it that's awesome and you you mentioned
0: Rosa hopefully having a fight soon. you got anyone else uh any trips you got to take to corner soon any any of your a t t uh teammates and uh students fighting you got a corner soon.
1: Yeah, I'm actually going out to uh, Phoenix. Uh, I'm leaving Friday for Phoenix. I'm out there with Walt Harris. Oh, that's right. And uh, yeah, I'm out there with Walt Harris. And then I also, you know, Nina Androff is a really good friend of mine, even though I I won't be cornering her. I also give her support. I help her out in training when I can. So, they'll be fighting in Phoenix, and then after that, I'm with uh, Daniel Jolly, who'll be fighting Khalil Roundtree in Houston, mm. and then Tisha Torres also be fighting in Houston against uh, Beck Rollins. So Man, that's good. I got a pretty busy schedule. Then right after that, I'll be full-time in camp retiring mm. as he fights Wonderboy again.
0: Now, how are you guys going to handle that? Do you know yet? Is he going to be bouncing around? Is he going to be in Milwaukee? Is he going to be in, in ACT again?
1: I think if if it was up to Tyron, Tyron would be at a different place every day training. He likes it like that. Yeah, I mean he he is the most like. I'll he'll call me and I'll be like, man, where are you at? And he'll be like, oh, I'm in LA. Then the next thing he's like, I'm in New York. And he'll be like, I'm back home. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But but we're, we we're gonna uh, settle down a little bit and probably do most of it in Milwaukee. It's just you know we really like Duke and uh, Duke has so much to offer and uh we'll probably do a lot of it a lot of it uh in milwaukee and then we'll probably do some down here in florida
0: that's cool well that we're in chicago here i'm in chicago where that's like uh 90 minutes away i'll have to i'll have to shoot up there and uh we'll have to uh check out camp and and, and visit you there one time the one time yeah, I absolutely went, yeah i went i went about a year and a half ago i went to pro practice and and duke was nice enough to let me work in and and do some sparring and stuff, and, and people were nice enough not to just kill me. But uh, but I, I, I think you guys were there. I didn't. I wasn't like doing interviews and stuff, so I didn't bug you. But I think I saw you and Eve Edwards with with uh, with T Woods. Oh, okay. So, yeah. But th- this time we'll, we'll arrange it. I'll come by. We'll say what's up, and uh, yeah, yeah. We'll do some more stuff. It'll be good. Um, but I, I gotta ask before I let you go. How for, for Nina Ansaroff, I mean, this is such a heady time. Like even after Amanda Nunes won, her partner. She's already hyping up like she always does, Nina. You know, as a, as the next person coming up, she's got a big fight. Is it a is it a is it a good thing to have all this excitement or momentum? Is it a little distracting? Like, is it tough? Do you think for her to like settle down and do what needs to be done, or is it is it just total motivation for her?
1: No, I think it's motivation for her. And what, what people don't know about Nina is what i see in nina is this almost the same thing we i see in amanda as well as far as like talent and ability like nina is so good she hasn't been able to show it yet it's almost like it's like certain things just don't connect like she's got a good on one end and a good on the other but the connection that make that puts the package together just hasn't been there and if she shows it in this fight I promise you, I think we're looking at the next uh, next champion at 115 pounds.
0: Well, that's exciting. That's exciting, Coach. Thanks for spending so much time with us, man. I really appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you on no. uh, on the
1: Internet, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. And, and I just got to say one thing. Yes, hey, listen, everybody voting out there for the MMA awards, y'all holler at your boy, man. I, I, I helped train two champions. And they both successfully defended Howl at me, man Okay. MMA so, Awards Y'all I, would not need to
0: vote for me I a, Okay, so F- Fighters Only Magazine MMA Awards We're talking Coach of the Year Is that what we're talking? Yeah, Coach of the Year Guys, get over to Fighters Only Magazine's website Great magazine, great website They do uh, the biggest, uh, for years now The biggest uh, MMA Awards Pretty much out there And uh, Coach Dean Thomas from ATT has nominated You heard it Head over there Support, support your guy He's, he, he really is all, all, uh, all enthusiasm aside what you guys have, have uh, been able to do down there is, is, is really remarkable. And, and the hand you have in so many high-level camps definitely, definitely deserves a recognition. I'm glad you're starting to get some of it, some of what you deserve.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on the show that I can speak my piece, man. Absolutely. You guys, you're real, man, for real talk.
0: Well, thank you so much, sir, man. We'll have you on any time. And like I said, I'll, uh, I'll holler at you soon. We'll hopefully catch up in Milwaukee, man. All right, man. Thank you, man. See you later. Take care, coach. Bye. So we just had ATT's Dean Thomas, phenomenal, phenomenal fighter, one of the best, most well-rounded fighters um, of his generation, uh, turned into one of the best, most accomplished, um, hands-on, successful coaches of this new generation over at ATT. A lot of fun talking with him, great mind. He's He's always... forthright whatever whatever we're asking him uh whether it's his politics of his friends or mindsets of opponents and uh, and his and his his own fighters so really cool he's got a lot going on like some people will will blow steam like i'm kind of busy i don't know if we can make time this and that and some people really are busy Dean Thomas is really busy. You know, a guy like him, a guy like Mike Brown, really busy. And those guys are always always around. This is Dean, uh, Coach Dean Thomas' second time on the show. We really appreciate that. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, a lot of fun. And, yeah, we'll have to keep you guys posted. Um, we're not far from Duke Rufus' camp. Mike Dice has been up there uh, without me, I think, a few weeks ago. And he met uh, Tyron Woodley and... And did some work there. We'll 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 head up there. We'll see what we can get for you guys. Whether it's some videos, some more interviews. Um, it's a it's an interesting, really solid camp. Not just with the bodies that they have. They have a lot of high level athletes, but the technique going on there is pretty is pretty impressive. You know, I, I was, again, I was there um, about a year and a half ago. Actually, it was I think it was CM Punk's Phil Brooks' first week uh, training at, at over there, and he was. A uh, very nice uh, guy. He hadn't really. He wasn't working in with the team in terms of sparring or doing anything. But he was there already, and I got to. Learn a little bit from Duke Rufus. All technique, man. It's all technique. They don't just put a bunch of bangers in there and have them beat each other up. They got a lot of technique. There. Very impressive. So we'll have to we'll have to head over to Rufus Sport and um, there's a couple other places we're hoping to get to in, in this new year as well. But we'll keep you posted. But that's a big fight. It actually moves me over. Before we leave, we'll touch very very briefly on um, a couple a uh, couple other topics. So Dean Thomas mentioned that. Uh, they're going to be doing tyron woodley ufc welterweight champions most of his camp perhaps in milwaukee at rufus sport they're both att members but tyron woodley as you may or may not know um like he mentioned uh, like dean thomas mentions likes to train all over and he's done a lot of work over the last couple years several years at rufus sport they have a lot of great welterweights for a long time robbie lawler was the welterweight champion at ATT, and he's out of att Tyron Woodley's out of ATT. Listen, man, it's kind of tough Kind of tough to have a teammate that you're in the same division. You're both fighting for the same spot. They ultimately did fight. That's who Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler is. That's who Tyron Woodley fought uh, and beat in order to become champion. So he had a lot of success working with his ATT coaches like Dean Thomas along with Rufus Sport coaches over at Rufus Sport. Um, that fight got made this week, right? That's, that's the news. Stephen Thompson, Tyrone Woodley, 2 is announced for, for UFC 209. There's been a ton of talk. There was a ton of talk between these two gentlemen before their first fight happened. Tyrone Woodley was on here before he, he met with Robbie Lawler. We we're already talking about Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson was on here saying you know, that Tyron Woodley was basically avoiding the fight got the fight. They had an amazing, amazing battle. One of the closest high-level fights back and forth, hardest to score fights that I can remember in recent memories. That was at UFC 205 in, in Manhattan, in Madison Square Garden. They fought to a draw, an actual draw, through five rounds, uh, like a Rocky uh, movie type of thing. Uh, both men uh, had their points. Tyron Woodley looked like he almost separated uh, Stephen Thompson from consciousness several times. Stephen Thompson felt probably rightly that He won more rounds, but the rounds that Woodley won were, were, you know, he won with with damage. So just incredibly hard to score a draw. I want Damian Maya to get a title shot. It's like yesterday, but that aside, um, this is the right fight to happen. Stephen Thompson, you can't say Stephen Thompson didn't earn the first title shot. You can't say he didn't earn. If you don't think he he won the fight, you can't say he didn't earn a rematch. So that fight is happening, um, and we couldn't be more excited for it. that's at I think that I'm not sure I think that's going to be I think that's announced as the main event you guys can correct me uh, if, if I'm wrong about that but I can't wait for that one I'm actually hoping to get we'll see we're going to go to a couple places and uh, we'll see if we can get over to a roof of sport we'll see if we can go to see if we can get a hold of Steven Thompson as well that's, that's just a spectacular fight what a contrast in styles um, another, another really interesting item happened this week. Not a fight announcement, but it's connected to a recent fight, a fight that we've been talking a lot about, which is um, Ronda fight, last fight. She came back after a year, and she lost, of course, to Amanda Nunes. I think it was a really bad matchup. I agreed with ATT coaches. I didn't think it was going to go that fast. But she fell. She fell hard. She got dominated. Worse than she got dominated a year prior in her first defeat to Holly Holm. So she's she's down and out, right? Um, And one of the more... Venomous rivalries, at least rivalries through the media, because these two have never fought. Unfortunately, has in MMA in recent uh, history has been between Ronda Rousey, longtime bantamweight champion, and Chris Cyborg Justino, longtime and still reigning um, world featherweight champion. Right, they were in, they were in Strikeforce together. Eventually, uh, both in the UFC together. The fight hasn't happened, but they've exchanged so much vitriol over the years. Uh, stark change in the tone. In that relationship, right? We had Jason Perillo, coach Jason Perillo, Cyborgs, coach last week, and he said, "You know what? These two should train together. This that fight's over. That's done with. Uh, for any number of reasons, they can train together." Um, Rhonda released a kind of a statement. She she kind of she posted something on her Instagram, and uh, it was a quote from the author of. Harry Potter books. I forget the 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 woman's name unfortunately. Monster monster uh, author. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. But um it, it was a quote basically about building using rock bottom as a foundation. So here it is. And so rock bottom became the solid foundation in which I rebuilt my life. J.K. Rowling. Rhonda going you to know, post that on her Instagram. Chris Cyborg responded. And usually when we have Chris Cyborg responding to ronda rousey or ronda rousey responding to chris cyborg it's gets ugly fast this was not ugly uh, cyborg wrote on her own instagram ronda rousey i was sad to see the loss of the sports star but you have so much ahead of you and are blessed with the financial security to pursue all your passions you opened the door for more promotion and grew into a sport icon enjoy the next chapter of life and know you've got amazing opportunities to continue changing the world." Hashtag rowdy like seeing that. Would have loved to have seen them fight. If that never happens. That's all right. There's a life beyond the world of uh, beating each other up. And uh, when people are no longer rivals in the ring as athletes, they still got to go on as human beings. So it's nice to see that respect of, of uh, shared humanity from, from Chris Cyborg uh, towards Ronda Rousey after so many angry words between the both of them for, for so long. Um, with that, we will uh, end the show again. I've uh, been here uh, with uh, with our producer, Richard, and without Mike Dice, my co-host. Mike will be back next week. I'm very excited for that. He's been missed this week. But uh, we were really, really lucky to have Dean Thomas on from American Top Team talking about uh, his his student, Amanda Nunes, and her big win, talking about um, you know his fighter, uh, Tara Woodley, and his upcoming bout in that camp and so many other things. Make sure you you go and, uh, and, and consider voting for him. Uh, at, uh, and voting generally for all the cool topics they've, uh, and categories they got at Fighters Only Magazine for their um, year, 2016 year-end uh, awards. He's up for Coach of the Year. He certainly deserves uh, consideration. Um, and uh, check him out in uh, Looking for a Fight on uh, UFC's YouTube channel. Him, Matt, Sarah, Dana White. Get kind of crazy while looking for some top talent every week. It's a great show. It's a lot of fun. I criticize Dana White a lot for things he deserves criticism for. Uh, one of the things he doesn't deserve criticism for is putting on a great show. He does. As a promoter, he's probably the best fight promoter of, uh, of our lifetime, and he, uh, he puts on a fun show on YouTube. It's, it's worth watching, um, whatever you think about different things, and we'll, we'll continue talking about those. It's, it's a fun thing. He, he puts on a good show there, and it, it is entertaining, and you do want to go hang out with him at his, his place in Maine when you see the type of toys they got, right? Uh, in any case, I've been Elias Cepeda for Rounds Podcast. We'll be back next week. With a new episode, we'll let you know on Twitter. You can follow us at, at Extra Rounds. We'll let you know what uh, guests or guests we have coming up for, for that episode. Uh, remember, on this episode, in the audio version that's going to be uploaded later tonight, it's, it's Wednesday right now, Wednesday, uh, January 11th, I, an exclusive sit-down interview with Yair Rodriguez from my host, Mike Dice. My co-host, Mike Dice, a really good conversation he had with a as he heads into the biggest fight of his life, a main event, UFC fight night main event against the legend, former two-time, uh, two-time, no, two-division, multiple-time uh, world champion BJ Penn, who's, who's coming back. Um, you want to check that out. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, any of the other places you, you listen to your your audio podcast. Thanks so much for watching live. If you have, please stick with us. If you if you do listen to iTunes, uh, you, you go to uh, check out this uh, interview. It's going to be at the at the end of this week's episode. You can scroll all the way to the end to hear that Yair Rodriguez's conversation with Mike Dice. After you listen to it, if you like it, please give us five stars and on uh, iTunes. That helps us out a lot. Uh, feel free to send us messages at Extra rounds um, on, on Twitter. We'll, uh, we'll holler back. I didn't get to a question from one of our listeners, Brad Stein. who sent in a really interesting technical question. I want to give it the time it deserves. So we'll basically open with that next week. I can promise you that. I'll talk with Mike. I'm sure we can make it happen. Um, your questions do get read and uh, we, do, we, we do answer them and they're a lot of fun. So again, thanks so much for listening guys and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>